Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle. I am your gracious and humbled host, Jonathan Wiegand, streaming to you across the Alpha Quadrant as I nestle in my bunker on the east coast of the United States. And wow, it has been a probably been a, what a couple a couple weeks since our last podcast. I know I took took some time off for the holidays, which was desperately needed. Um, it's good to kind of relax with family and friends and enjoy bringing Christmas and New Year's. And this was actually my son's first Christmas. So obviously I wasn't pandering over uh, the podcast. So I was uh, enjoying that time. And hopefully you guys enjoyed um, those holidays and, and had a lot of fun. Like it was um, 2020 was a crazy year. So kind of glad for it to be over with and move on to 2021. I feel like things are picking up. We have a vaccine now. I just, uh, my my boys, Notre Dame made it into the college football playoff, got destroyed, but still counts, still made it in. Either this is not what you came here to listen about. Anyway, uh, welcome to the program. And today we will be concluding our Star Wars, Star Trek comparison crossover denier, whatever you want to call it, series. And I realized that this series is the more I research, particularly this episode, could literally be like a book. Like people, and I know like through my research, people have written books on this and did college term papers. And it's just this monstrosity almost of information out there. So I really tried to limit it to a couple of subjects that we'll get into to really show the divide between the franchises. And we had one of our friends come over um, for Christmas uh, celebration, I guess you could say it. And she was saying, she's like, well, yeah, they're just differences, main difference, sci-fi and fantasy. And of course that's very true, but we'll get into it. Particularly this episode will show. Yeah. Sci-fi and fantasy don't mix, but this, these two franchises, even if they were still in the same, um, what do you believe is called genre, still would be very difficult to mix just because they're so fundamentally different. Now, I won't really go hot and heavy right into that because we got some crazy news, Star Trek news that have happened over the past couple weeks. And of course, if you're paying attention, if you're big into Discovery, you already know this. But if you're not, do you know we hit 800 episodes as a, as a fan base? 800 episodes of Star Trek material have been produced. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I think, um, was it Luna? Luna's in her little sound box. Okay, so it's, wow, 25 days straight. A little over 25 days straight of not- of just Star Trek. So that is, <laughs> that is obsessive. I don't know if that includes the movies or not, but I think it's just the TV shows because that that's crazy. So um, 800 episodes of material. And this is what I've always tried to tell people. Look, man, like I love Star Wars, but Star Trek, man, we got that. We got that depth. <laughs> you know, we, we got that long, drawn out depth that can rival really any series. Maybe not Doctor Who, but um, which I don't know anything about. <laughs> I, I think it's it's great. It's a huge milestone. Great accomplishment for the for the fan base and for just all the content out there. And I'm so happy that we're getting new stuff and that it's, um, 
It's very good. I've enjoyed Discovery. And yes, at the end, now the season's kind of wrapping up. I plan to do a a season in review massive episode and talk about it as opposed to just those weekly episodes because, man, that, that takes a lot out of you. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> doing uh, two, three episodes a week on the podcast. So anyway, uh, moving on from that huge milestone, another hot, hot take, let me blow up the mic, hot take is that the Voyager documentary is finally got some news. And I know because of COVID, it's kind of just been this up in the air, really don't know where this project's going. We finally got some hardcore news from Garrett Wang. So during the virtual TrekCon, I think it was a couple couple days ago, um, 455 Films announced a new crowdfunding campaign in support of the Voyager documentary. And they did this before with DS9, what we leave behind is that so if you crowdfund and you and you support quote unquote pre-order it you get so many um like kind of little rewards and goodies like i think there's a couple pins or you might even be invited a part of a Q&A session like through zoom or something like that so there are really a lot of cool um little gift bag goodies and stuff if you pre-order and i know i will be pre-ordering i didn't pre-order for DS9 and i regret it so starting march 1st i know where i'm going to be plugging it in from my budget envelope. <laughs> anyway, I'm I don't know. I think like comparing the first two documentaries between DS9 and Voyager, I I loved how they personified like what a season 8 would be and how bringing in Cisco and and all of that and I I really enjoyed that. But however, I think the greatest point of the whole Voyager documentary will be that whole cast drama. And yeah, I know I've talked about it in my drama in the Delta Quadrant um, episode. But I think this will be kind of interesting to hear about it from the people themselves. Because, I mean, there was a lot of issues. Like, I mean, for example, Jerry Ryan passing out because the cat suit was too tight and couldn't go to the bathroom and how the cast was against her because she was pushing out um, Jennifer, the lady that played cast. She was pushing out that actress. And there's also things between Mulgrew and Ryan that have been heavily politicized and there's also a lot between Chakotay, I Robert, I forget his last name, not hitting on the last name very well, but Robert and the executives, how he wanted more of a role and and he wanted a love interest maybe with Janeway. But um if you notice in the last season of Voyager, they kind of throw him a bone and he has this semi love interest with seven. Yeah, I, I'm really interested on in what um the cast is going to say, probably more than any behind the scenes documentary, to be honest, of any of the Star Trek shows, because this one is where the meat's at. <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of really curious um, what's going to come out and maybe hear some uh, unknown stuff. But if you want more information, you can visit the news site at VoyagerDocumentary.com or follow them on all the social media platforms. Real original uh, website, by the way. <laughs> Just kidding. Moving on real quick um, to our last news story for the trek before we get into our meat of the episode um, so Picard production has been pushed back to February. I know, um, I think a couple months ago we reported on this podcast and across Trek everywhere, they planned for a January, 2021 start date. However, due to COVID has been pushed back to February, according to Jerry Ryan, because she responded to a fan on Twitter and she said February. <laughs> so that's what we're going off of. I'm kind of curious what they're going to do with Picard season two, where they're going to go. If they're going to, and I assume they're bringing Ryan back in some capacity if she's commenting on it. So I think this is going to be really good to kind of see exactly where Picard ends up, especially with those spoilers from last um, 
at the end of the season with him being a robot now. And oh gosh, <laughs> I just don't don't like that decision. Anyway, enough jimber jambering. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Our final installment: Star Trek, Star Wars, kind of crossover work. And let's roll that beautiful tape, Luna. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, why only two subjects? And it could be so much longer. And honestly, I'm just exhausted from this subject matter because it's so thick. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about as we get into it, because it's not really a it's not something you can just be like, oh, OK, cool. Like watch real, like a five minute YouTube video on like it's a little bit more complex. So um, I'm kind of wanting maybe the next episode or two kind of be more fun, relax. Uh, we've done that before in the past. So in the last episode, we did cover kind of the history and the formations of these franchises and what the messages they were trying to tell. And we're going to get into that a little bit more on the Star Trek side than the Star Wars side. Star Trek side, because it's kind of just the whole purpose of the show was Gene Roddenberry's vision. And and it, I mean, this will really sell on why they can never really be together, why they are oil and water. Now, the check from Disney might be big enough. And of course, just because they crossed over, it would work. Um, but I'm just saying, just be prepared. Find something comfy. Maybe if you're driving... Maybe take your shoes off. I don't know if that's road advisable. Don't listen to me. Could I get sued for that, Luna? I could. Okay. Uh, anyway, let's get into it. We're going to start off first with Star Trek. I'm sure most of you already know this, is that humanism is kind of just the guiding principle to the whole Federation and embracing this idea of diversity and social justice. And, and again, we're going to get into the more broader term of humanism that I just mentioned. And to me, whenever I hear that word, my, my ears instantly perk up because it's it's a very heavy word and honestly, almost a negative sense. What does Gene Roddenberry mean by humanism? And again, just lay the foundation for that. So there are a lot of numerous episodes out there in the Trek world that kind of play on morality and set up always against like these crazy exotic backgrounds or even in outer space. And they kind of reward the audience by encouraging them to believe, hey, that one day we'll be like them. We'll have these moral questions and we'll be kind of the superior race that doesn't have war or poverty or greed or lack. And one day we might be these wise um, personifications of humanity. And if you don't believe me, if you're like, John, this is a little crap. Uh, Gene Roddenberry really never thought these. He even said that as my social philosophy, my racial philosophy and my overview on life and the human condition is wrapped up in Star Trek. So Gene Roddenberry correctly believed that he could reach more people through media than just a conventional like philosopher. Like he could get his message and agenda pushed far greater and far wider than any other media really out there, especially in the 60s and even through the 90s and current day. So Roddenberry hoped that this quest for enlightenment would lead to the banishment of racism, superstition, conflict, and poverty, not only in Star Trek, but in the real world. So providing that um, example to make people think, hey, maybe we can do more. So as you can see already, the building blocks of the whole franchise is about pushing an agenda 
a humanist agenda to try to make humanity as best as it can be, which which is not necessarily a bad thing, you know. <laughs> However, coming up, this leads us to one of the major fundamental differences between the two franchises. And it's something when you hear it, you'll probably be like, oh, that makes sense. I've already knew that. Yeah, you know it, but without knowing it. And the major difference between the two franchises and why I think they fundamentally would never really work together, not only because their stories and their agendas are different, but because how important one of these aspects is to one franchise and not the other. And of course, we're talking about religion and spirituality. Yes, religion and spirituality is critical to Star Wars. It is a massive cornerstone that the franchise is built on. As with Star Trek, meh, not that much. Almost barely mentioned throughout the whole series. And why is that? Why is one so centric on one and one not really care about it at all? You know, well, and again, it comes down to the foundation and what you're trying to say. So again, humanism, as Star Trek really likes to project, and as we all know, we're going to get in some philosophy class here. So buckle up, everybody. <laughs> so humanism actually believes that reliance on religion is wrong and almost, I, I would say, inappropriate. I mean, it's very echoing the Nietzsche claim that God is dead. If you didn't know, Nietzsche was this, uh, was he French? Was he French philosopher? Um, that, I mean, he really pumped that humanity must rely on its own resources and not expect any supernatural guidance or intervention whatsoever. That we're, we're alone, we're on our own, that's it. And again, it is a super common theme in Star Trek. And there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that in media. You you make the media and he promotes the agenda and people watch it, you know? What's the common theme across Star Trek is that you hear this multiple, multiple times, maybe on a, maybe only a handful of times, correct myself, maybe only a handful of times, but that especially Picard mentions it a lot, is that humanity evolved past the need for religion. And science almost became the backdrop of all question and, and wonder and was used as that venue to pursue. And religion was kind of just left to the dustbin of history. Which the funny thing is, science can easily be turned into a religion if you're not careful. So it's just kind of this double-edged sword that Star Trek is fully buying into. And it's almost a dangerous buy into because you can easily become fanatics of science. And I mean, I'll just be honest up front fundamentally this whole humanist idea i wholeheartedly disagree with i have i'm a christian and been a christian most of my life and i wholeheartedly disagree with the idea of humanism again that's why my ears perked up because whenever i've heard humanism it kind of makes bad makes me think of bad philosophy to be honest but we are not here to debate religion creation of the world Anything like that. That is, everybody's entitled to their own thing. Now, the humanistic attitude, though, discards the supernatural and all religious dogma, and it replaces it 
with a rationalization that such even the individual's essence, its very soul, is somehow quantifiable and can be captured and stored in a material receptacle, aka in the original series, Return to Tomorrow. And even in the new Picard, they take his essence, his quote unquote soul, and put it into a robot. Mind blown. And again, Star Trek, anytime any godlike beings are encountered by the crew of the Enterprise, they're explained away as either like these aliens or beings evolved beyond the capability of human comprehension. And so this way, mysteries in Star Trek become merely unsolved scientific challenges, which are tackled through twin agencies of science and technology using the scientific method. So there really is no wonder, there really is no mystery anymore. It's just a scientific problem. And to me, that's kind of, you can quote me as a big R romantic, and I feel like that's kind of sad. And I know that other Star Trek series delve into this a little bit more, but to me, it's like that mystery out there, that wonder that all humans have, it's interesting, you know? I mean, you can even tell that even in DS9 with the religious practices shown in the shown by the Bajorans, it's really only we ever see on screen is kind of promotes meditation and self like actualization, not really theistic worship. You know what I'm saying? So we really don't see large theistic gatherings or worship. It's more of just all internal, especially the Bajorans and the prophets. It's all internal, all about one self connection to the prophets. So that's about the majority we get in Star Trek and always leaving the door open. And what we were just talking about, the big romantic and the mystery out there, um, this extreme attitude of, of humanism and, and the idea of no mystery out there is it's, it's kind of doubted by some of the most important Star Trek characters, such as Picard who alludes that the concept that he, that the universe must be compatible with the intelligence and conscious life as he observes it. You know, this is the quote. I'm not going to play a clip. I'll just read it. <laughs> he Picard says, considering the marvelous complexity of our universe, it's clock-like perfection. It balances of this against that belief that our existence must be more that what we are goes beyond and other practical measuring systems and that our existence is part of a reality beyond that we understand now as reality. Star Trek Next Generation, where silence has least episode. So we can see that even though they're dogmatic with science and humanism in Star Trek, which again, not commenting, it's just, it is what it is, <laughs> you know, there's still some doubt in there. And I think that's really good writing and really good just a drop of it because not everybody that watches Star Trek has to be atheist. Not everybody that watches Star Wars has to be Christian or a, a believer of some sort, you know, like it has to, there, there's a balance, you know? And I think that's good to kind of get and expose yourself to things that challenge your worldview. You know, you have to do that to become a better person, to become a better, um, just have a better life, become more well-rounded. If you keep shell in, whether you're atheist or Christian, if you stay in that bubble, you're really never going to grow. So well, I didn't mean to get on that tangent. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But um, and kind of to wrap up the 
spirituality aspect of Star Trek, philosophical kind of totems are deeply in intertwined in Star Trek. You can see it throughout and there's not one school philosophy that they settle on. You know, it's, it's kind of a wa- wide spectrum. It's just not one or two, you know, it's, it's a lot of them. And I think that's really good because you kind of get almost lack of a better term, a buffet of philosophy as opposed to just one cramming down your throat. Now I will argue that one cramming down your throat, if there is one, it's humanism. But again, it doesn't bash you over the head. It's just kind of the foundation that everything is built upon. Okay. So I think with these totems, I mean, you can definitely see some like loyalty, uh, courage, leadership, kind of like team effort, kind of really being part of a team, really pushing forward, buying into something bigger. And there's also, on the other hand, more existential issues that you would see from like a Kierkegaard that come up throughout the show. So you kind of get a mixture of of everything. And I mean, at the end of the day, for all of those philosophical reasons that they argue with, that federations are the good guys, they have the right stuff, and the readers readily identify with that. I mean, for example, Captain Picard. Who would not love to, like, have him as a leader or be under his leadership. He would be, I mean, you feel like you already kind of know him and you wish you worked for him. His style kind of gives you confidence and comfort in meeting any challenge. So, I mean, to me, that's the perfect CEO. That's the model you want to be, you know? And it's kind of those tropes that make us identify what we want ourselves. So anyway, we're not going <laughs> to, this could get really out of hand, really a lot of rabbit holes. We're trying not to do that. Again, I'm an accountant. Not a philosophy major whatsoever. I think I took it once and my professor got mad at me because I would just compare everything to the Matrix. And he was like, stop it. (laughs) Not everything in philosophy is the Matrix. Anyway, so that's kind of where I'm going to wrap up the Star Trek. Kind of provide, in a nutshell, the humanistic agenda that Roddenberry was pushing. And again, not disagreeing, not agreeing, just that's what it is. Let's get into something I like to call Star Wars. It's huge. It's great. So even though like Star Wars took place in a galaxy far, far away, it still has some of these great, great epics and deeply philosophical themes that are present in everything we have. And I know I mentioned that before um, in the last episode, especially history or mythology and even literature and the hero story. I mean, if you, I know I'm going to go on a tangent here, but it's one of my favorite Shakespearean books is Hamlet. And Star Wars is pretty much Hamlet. Like, um, is essentially a story about a father and son with this like operatic um, undertones. And for example, similar to Hamlet, the tragic hero of Star Wars also communicates with his dead father's ghost. And there is, of course, like, and that, I mean, that's not surprising because we know Lucas took a lot of things from literature and mythology and incorporated it. But to me, I always thought like Star Wars Hamlet. (laughs) And again, my AP teacher in high AP English teacher in high school hated that when we went over Hamlet. So I'm like, this sounds a lot like Star Wars. (laughs) Anyway, um, again, sorry for all these random rabbit holes, not going down the rabbit holes of deep philosophical discussions, but what I thought about Star Wars and Hamlet. (laughs) But I mean, think about it. Like just off the top of my head, like, 
you have the Skywalker lightsaber becoming King Arthur's Excalibur. That's a good example. Uh, Star Wars franchise is more about the epic hero's journey, while Star Trek is about more centralized story arcs within episodes and um, really hoping to get that agenda pushed, according to Roddenberry. I mean, you can even argue like the journey of the Skywalkers, talking about the Skywalker saga here, um, is the journey of the classic heroic figure found in literature, whether it's Homer's Odyssey or even Moses, you know, starting from somebody that is reluctant kind of teenager going to be in service of something greater than themselves and bigger than they could ever be alone. And in Star Wars, that bigger thing is the force. (laughs) Hold on to your hats because it's about to get wild. (laughs) So perhaps to me, especially as a kid, the most exciting element of Star Wars, well, besides the lightsabers, was the deployment and this concept of the force, quote unquote. And to me, it's it's described as this energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us. It penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. And if you know your Star Wars, that was Yoda from episode five. I'm not going to play the clip because I don't want to get sued by Disney and Mickey. So to me... That was always a cool point that you could give yourself over to the force, have this power that flows through you, that kind of connects to everything around you that's bigger than yourself, and you can't understand it, and you'll never understand it. Now, if you're an episode one Phantom Menace fan, which I know there's a lot of you out there, Minichlorians are the stupidest creation of all time. So you take this mystical mystery, you know, that's hard to say, mystical mystery. And you talk about cells in your blood and that's where it comes from. It's like, come on, man, don't be, don't, don't pull a Trekkie on me, man. I don't want the science behind it. I just want, I just want the mystery going back to the big R, the romantic. Um, so, I mean, you could even make the argument. I'm just kind of spitballing. You can even make the argument that the, the force could be a, a, a deity metaphor because the force can be personal to like an individual that's kind of force sensitive. It could be interpersonal. Um, It's shared between two force sensitive people or you're influenced by it from a Jedi mind trick or something like that, or it's impersonal. So everybody can kind of see it. So even if you're not connected to the force at all, you can see that other people have it. So there's a, in my research, I found this philosophy that really fit the force and kind of, I think this is what Lucas was trying to talk about and kind of undertone and where he got a lot of his idea. And it's a, it's a philosophy called monist. Now I immediately think of monotheism, but that's not it. (laughs) Um, So pretty much the philosophy monism is a view that attributes oneness or singleness to a concept like existence or the force even. So for monism, mono monism, (laughs) Monism, all existing things go back to a source that is distinct from them. As in the case of, here's a big word, Neoplatonism, where everything is derived from the one. And there's a Dutch monistic philosopher who really laid the groundwork, and his last name was Spinoza. Spinoza. Me and my wife have been watching The Sopranos a lot, so 
Yuguma. We've been <laughs> we've been really involved in Italian um, culture and stuff. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. So when this guy came up, I was like Spinoza walking around the house. Anyway, um, Spinoza really did lay the groundwork um, and helped the 18th century Enlightenment movement because he wrote this book called Ethics. And according to him, nature is all pervasive, dynamic in action, growing and changing, not a passive or static thing. Similar in Star Wars, the Force is a dynamic, active, almost sentient. For the Force can call out to you, guide you, and be with. So Spinoza's concept of a personal relationship with nature and God comes from a similar position. That one is a part of an infinite, interdependent organism. Everything is a derivative of the one, interconnected with all existence. Now, doesn't that sound like the force to you? <laughs> so, um, again, wherever you're at, this is time for a break. Because <laughs> this, uh, this is a lot of heavy stuff for one person to talk about in my little podcast studio all alone. Which is great. Like I, I've moved like eight times, and now I'm in uh, one of our closets and set up, and got some sweet podcasting equipment to help me out, make it sound a little bit better and easier on me. Never thought I'd be discussing this on the podcast, but monism and the four sound really similar, and I think that's what Lucas was trying to get at and push. Not in the sense of not in the same way of like a humanistic and Roddenberry way, but just kind of uh, laying a foundation for philosophy that, and he took things from philosophy that he could apply and, and really inspired the idea of the force. And there's even a component of monism called Sufi, S-U-F-I, Sufi. <laughs> and they kind of share a lot, the Sufi offspring of monism with the Jedi order. For example, the ultimate goal of Sufism is a mystical union with God just like the characters of Star Wars. Both good and evil on the side of the Force attempt to assimilate themselves into the Force and becoming one with the Force. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I think only Jedi can do that, right? As in the case of Anakin Skywalker, slash Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, etc. But also, because just like the Jedi and Sith Orders in Star Wars train apprentices in the use of the Force, the Sufi Islamic movement, too, consists of fraternal orders in which leaders train and assist disciples in the mastery of this philosophical principle and ritual practices. So it's it's a deeper understanding. So I think the Force is a, like I meant, like a cornerstone of Star Wars, especially the Skywalker saga. You can't really have Star Wars without the Force. Now, one could argue, now that we're finally getting decent Star Wars, Star Wars uh, content made, aka The Mandalorian, it's still you can still have good stories that aren't necessarily centered around the Force. But boy, when that bad boy shows up, we'll talk about that later, it, it really does kind of cap to me what Star Wars is. So while the Force explores positions such as nature, reality, and being, the Jedi and the Sith both provide studies like deeper into moral, even political realms of the nature of good and bad. So we really see a big distinction between good and evil in Star Wars. Not so much Star Trek. Star Trek is mainly, 
okay, you're a different culture. I need to appreciate what you have. And no one is truly evil. You know what I mean? Nothing is truly 100% bad. Even the Borg have their own purpose and, and rationalization behind them trying to and take over the, the galaxy. There's nothing really evil, but in Star Wars, there really is a distinction between good and evil. And we're just going to have some fun here. So hold on. So the Jedi Order kind of really going to refresh our college or high school philosophy class here, really embody Plato's concept of philosopher kings. He states, until philosophers are kings or the kings and the princes of the world have the spirit and the power of philosophy and political greatness and wisdom meet in one, cities will never rest from their evils. So that's what they want. They Plato and the Jedi Order want that political greatness and wisdom to be in one, to be unified so that they can kind of have peace and not always have to be on the lookout for evils and their enemies. And I mean, if you want, you want to go deeper into Plato, Star Wars, and especially the Order, mimic him by believing in a strict educational regimen, like for the Padawans or quote unquote younglings, not the younglings, and a regimen which results in making those people involved realize that knowledge is the only true virtue. Again, just like, I mean, this is to be definitely shown in Yoda's training of Luke in episode five and best like shown by Yoda himself, considering this from episode five in a dark place, we find ourselves and a little more knowledge lights our way. On the other hand, on the exact other hand, the Sith order, which I mean, as we mentioned before, mimics the Nazis and, and kind of just authoritative totalitarianism they want the Jedi to step down so they can act out of their social, almost Darwinian struggle against themselves and the universe. I mean, they even embody Nietzsche's quote unquote will to power, that they declared a natural order to seek power over others, that they believe they're superior and they should rule, and they'll go to any lengths to do so. The main differences between the schools of thought in Star Wars and in the, the Force realm. So, I mean, even though Star Wars kind of regurgitates, lack of a better word, a lot of old mythology and um, philosophy tropes, I mean, it still offers some good qualities of goodness. Plurality, stoicism, peace, as opposed to the kind of the anger, selfishness, greed that we see on the, on the cis side. So I think this is, I mean, Star Wars and Star Trek have always been a great... Um, way to kind of promote more philosophy and get a greater understanding of said philosophy. So between the two franchises, we have spiritual monism on one side and giving oneself into the force. And on the other side, philosophical side of the field is humanism, the exact opposite of what you want. So you have one side being humanism. You need nothing else from anybody except human beings and what we can do with our two hands and on the other side no given to the greater being the greater quote-unquote force and yes the difference between the franchises are, are a grand canyon but they easily could be crossed um especially again like if disney wrote a really big check but especially even with like i was talking about mandalorian is that now they're getting away from the force so you could involve more sci-fi 
into Star Wars that we've never really had before. And it's not just being so force centric. But to me, the Skywalker saga is the epitome of Star Wars. And the force is a massive cornerstone of that. So, I mean, it would almost have, it would be nothing more of a philosophical debate if you had Luke Skywalker and Picard talk, because Picard would be like, well, let's put out some sensors and let's see and do a, um, analysis of this data. And, and Luke would be like, you have to give in and understand and feel the force and see where it guides you. And so it'd be really almost in a way, a great way to break out of those characters bubble to be like, Hey, maybe we can be more scientific. Hey, maybe we can give more into the mystery of life and the universe around us. Again, the main difference is to kind of wrap up this whole series. You have basically it comes down to a religion versus science and the different agendas. Both of those push. You have the fundamental stories they are trying to say and what they're trying to convey. And also on a very non really kind of shallow, they're very formed differently. One was Star Wars is all poetry. It all rhymes. Star Trek, not so much. It's just really 800 episodes of really good stuff <laughs> that don't have to rhyme and flow together, if you make any sense. All right, that has been the final episode of Star Trek Star Wars crossover series. Thank you so much, guys, for sticking around and listening. I really appreciate um, tuning in. And um, it's been a blast sitting behind this microphone with you guys. Um, I've definitely enjoyed it. I can't believe our one year uh, anniversary is coming up soon. I think in uh, about five weeks or so. This is our 35th episode. So it's it's been nuts to kind of do this all within a year. I'd never anticipated that a uh, global pandemic would happen while doing the show or getting laid off or having a son, but it's, um, it's definitely been an absolute blast and I enjoy it. I think we're going to, like I mentioned in the earlier episode, we're going to have some fun kind of lighter, uh, subject matters in the next couple episodes. And then, um, I'll announce, we're going to do a big anniversary special, which I'm excited about. Uh, more details are in the works, but yes, um, you can always reach out to us on Instagram at Omega particle podcast or on Twitter at Omega particle underscore Again, feel free to reach out. Love talking to you guys. And you guys have been so um, supportive in those two venues. And I th- I can announce we finally have a Facebook. <laughs> so if you just search the Omega Particle Podcast, we're on Facebook. I gave in to the tech giants and made a Facebook. And <laughs> uh, reluctantly, I'm just kidding. Um, I, for one, welcome our technological overlords. Um, anyway, I just want to say that you can always reach out. Love hearing from you guys. And if you have any suggestions for the show or topics you want to want me to cover go into i love hearing that and um, definitely probably will might put it on the podcast so again thank you guys for listening and always remember second star of the right straight on till morning